Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of Death Space Filling the Void. How was your Christmas? Was Santa good to you? I hope Santa was real good to you. You know what that is if you celebrate. If you don't, I hope you had a great Saturday, or whatever it was. <laughs> Jamie, our pup Ollie, and I drove to Jamie's family outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. They just moved there, so it was nice to check out that area and check out their new spot. A lot of fun. Only the second time I've done Christmas south of New York, and it's just astonishing to do Christmas where it's warm. <laughs> but you still wear things that conjure colder temperatures. We stopped in two states I'd never been to before. Uh, on the way there, we stopped in Alabama. A lot of winding roads through farms. <laughs> and on the way back, we stopped in Macon, Georgia. Which is interesting because I, I I guess Jimmy Carter's from that area because he was on every menu and every spot that we went to had a uh, like a Jimmy Carter burger where they put peanut butter on it. Not bad, I know. It's kind of strange, but we we got one. It wasn't bad. It, it's not like chunky peanut butter just kind of plopped on there. It's kind of like the peanut butter that you'd get on a Sunday, a bit smoother and didn't have like lettuce. Or, or a tomato on there as well. It was kind of just meat, bacon, and peanut butter. <laughs> cool cool little little town and great to see some spots. But, uh, of course, always good to be back. Love to be back home. Back here in good old Charleston. Getting ready for the new year. Well, I've got a great episode today. I interviewed Claudia Getzelman. Uh, who knows if I did that without her helping me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Claudia, if I if I messed that up. Well, she has a very shiny, very positive attitude. And I think you're really going to enjoy uh, meeting her in this interview. She's a, an end-of-life doula. And she also studies the effects of, of trauma, childhood trauma, on a, on a person's psychology and, and tries to help people with that. So, yeah, we had a great conversation. As always, if you're liking the show, please remember to rate and review it. And check the show out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. All right, let's make our way to the interview. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy. Joining me now on the podcast is spiritual life coach, Claudia Gitzelman. How did I do with the pronunciation? You get 10 points. <laughs> Out of 100, yeah. <laughs> no, you did well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was saying, uh, Claudia, that I took uh, six years of German, so I... I tried to like sneak in the like the umlaut pronunciation, but I, apparently I did all right. Yeah, you did. It, it, it comes handy, you know, once in a while. Once in a while. Six years in Germany. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, we, we have a bunch to talk about today, but I think we should start with you explaining, well, you were, a, were and are a end-of-life doula so explaining like what the training is like for that and, and what working as a end-of-life doula is like. Yeah, so it's a, it's a fairly new profession around the world and in the U.S. It's even, I think it's even more popular in the U.S. or than it is in the rest of the world because, you know, it's just in Berlin. And when I talk about it there, people are like, we have never heard of this. So yeah. end-of-life doula, you know, there's doulas to birth the baby. Mm -hmm. and you help and guide 
you choose this doula to to help you to birth. And now there is also an end of life doula, meaning that you could hire me. Let's say you learn that you have six months to live or a three months, or you have somebody who is in the last stages of their life and you as the family want to hire me. And then I would help you arrange everything around some journey. That could mean I would help you define your legacy. Maybe you want to mend some relationships with relatives or friends. Maybe you want to do a last trip. And because there's so much, right? We never address these things. There's always, I think if you, it comes suddenly to this death or, you know, let's say your relative is your family members in the hospital. How would you or how would that family member want the, this, this last uh, period of their life to look like? And I think if we can talk about it and make a beautiful plan, then there is dignity and then we can celebrate that person's life and let it go. Instead of being in crisis and we all rush to the hospital or don't know what to do. We're completely overwhelmed. Usually that's what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes this haphazard thing. And that's the memory, which also um, sticks with us. I had no idea that the process would last that long. It's so helpful. I, when I heard end of life doula, I expected that you would be there kind of in like a nurse, like capacity of like, dabbing them with like a towel and and just being there and helping facilitate conversations but that goes so much more in depth is that that's commonly how it how it is yeah I mean this is really the role of an end-of-life doula to give you structure you could talk about the actual moment of the death maybe you want to have a party and maybe I can help you organize that and I'm going to ask all the questions would you like to look out somewhere into the sky would you like to be more in a in nature how is, how is this environment supposed to be just light dark what music would you like essential oils I mean so many questions we never ask anybody but it's the most beautiful gift you can actually give to somebody and say this is my last moment and this is how I really want to design it and create it and go with dignity. And maybe you want to have like one person around or 50 people around, right? Mm-hmm. It's really, it's such a personal journey. And a lot of people don't know what they want unless you start talking about it. Right, absolutely. Well, that's so beautiful. I want to get to what it's like being an end-of-life doula in like the moment of actual death. but. I'm curious, how do you help someone help them define their legacy? How does that process start? You, there's like a form with a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So let's say we have three months. We start with, with this questionnaire. And then through the questions, you give yourself some time. And then you can sort of answer these questions. And I think things crystallize out. Mm. And I feel, again, it's this sort of seeing somebody and honoring the person and then also for them to to find peace with whatever which life they have lived or have not but to come to terms that this is just how it went and and honoring that that life Hmm. it, it also it almost makes me think that why wait till death to to have these moments right (laughs) my words exactly thank you (laughs) why wait until the last moment until the crisis happens and then we struggle and there's so much emotion involved why not and this is exactly what I 
did after I did this life coach training, the, the, the end of life doula training, I took it to my spiritual life coach praxis because I thought if we can take these tools and really implement them into the here and now, like in the middle of our life and ask ourselves these questions, it will give us so much clarity of the things we want to do, the way we want to live our life and what we need to do in order to, because we don't know, right? It, it doesn't matter of the age. It could just be tomorrow. You cross the street and it was your time. Mm. But then, you know, and then who knows? You could be in a wheelchair or whatever. Some, so, so many things happen. But to know, let's say I would die tomorrow or tomorrow would be your injury, get the news. that you could say, I actually lived a pretty good life that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that would alleviate a lot of the fear that, that people have of, of death. If you can make peace with your mistakes, your shortcomings. I mean, those are the things that keep us up at night. So right. if you're at peace with all that, hey, you're, you know, yeah. you're doing all right. But you know, the thing is, is we don't talk about death, right? As a society, it's, it's, and it be- has become worse, let's say for lack of a better word. But if I think back, even when I was very little and I remember my grandma, I mean, German houses, for instance, ha- I said this many times, have like the old German houses have very big entrances because the cascade was at home. So death was celebrated as a family event at home. Snacks would be provided and maybe a little bit of alcohol would be served and you would celebrate this person. But now everything is handed over to hospital or the doctors or the medical system, right? And then it's out of your control. It's out of what you possibly could contribute. And you, this person and your the family finds itself in a neon lit room with machines. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then doctor says, oh, you need to go now. And nobody knows what to do. And it's so stressful. So if we can, again, come back. And, and, and so because of this, I think death has become so alienated. And we don't want to even talk about it because it's just this idea, oh, my God, in the hospital, peeping machines, death. And it's so foreign to us. It's so uncomfortable, right? It's so cold. But if we can change the conversation around it and really understand we're born to die, and make and it's the journey in between and then also just as the birth the celebration of the birth we celebrate it so it's so many so often with you know all these these rituals we have that we come back to this other book and and make it exactly the same thing yeah so have you had a lot of success with helping people repair relationships with maybe estranged family members or friends you describe that as a part of the the job description of a an end-of-life doula i'm wondering how that typically goes yeah it's interesting because i mean i i can't i i can facilitate i can again i ask the questions i can help the person to establish the contact and understand there is this willingness to mend or reach out but then it's also that person's relationship so i i have you know i can't mingle in the middle of Okay. Of it, yeah. but I I am facilitating. I would said say even it's interesting because you you go down the questions and the list of what things what should be done, and then these things come often up mm-hmm. because there is this sort of I need to make peace with this inside me, and that's often around a relationship or something which hasn't been said needs to be said just to yeah to find that inner comfort. So I. Date, I can help maybe research, maybe encourage to make this phone call or what this phone call should 
be look like, but then the person, it's that person's decision. Okay. So you don't reach end. out to the person on the other end and say, I'm working with, no. okay. All right. So it's on. No, that. I think it would be overstepping some sure. boundaries. Sure. I just wanted to see what that was, that, that was kind of like, but that's, yeah. that's even great. That's, it's nice too. Then that if there isn't a reconciliation, it's completely between those two people and, and no one feels forced into it kind of thing. No, and I think it's the the key is that even if it wouldn't work out, it's not maybe about that person who wants the reach out. Maybe it's the other person, right? Right. We don't know. But then you know you tried your best. You did this because it was this calling inside of you. And then you can still make peace with it. Then Mm -hmm. I can help again find the right angle of like putting it down and saying you did show up. Mm -hmm. You put the cord in the other person. And so you know that other person knows that you reached out, that this was important to you. This was the wish, you know, whatever comes, we have to trust it. Whatever right. comes off it or not, that's it. Comes off your plate, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The plate of anxiety, we all spinning in our heads. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never gone to a funeral or, or a wake or anything where someone has been working with an end of life doula. I suspect that I would have a bit of shock at, at what was built and, and how different it was compared to what we normally do. How do people react when they come to a space to a, I don't know what you call it, a, a dying, a, a death uh, that you've curated in, in that's celebration. Celebration. There we go. That's yes. Celebration. I'm coming to a death. I know that's, yeah. but a celebration of life. Sure. Uh, how do people typically react when they're they don't know what to expect from from uh, what an end I I feel like there's maybe a little bit of lightness and the and then it's like rewriting that fear of yeah and be like wow it's not just it doesn't have to be that sad and or also there is this feeling of warmth wow this was very meaningful we spent some quality time and but you know, not everybody wants to have a big party. Some people, <laughs> they're like, I want to just have this moment of peace by myself. Oh, and right. it doesn't mean that I, I would be witness of this either. It's again, it's so personal. People mm-hmm. just, I'm basically there to fa- help facilitate the answers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. good to know. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it seems so much, a reason why I started this podcast is because I'm so uncomfortable with the idea of death and, and my own death and, and through these conversations, I'm trying to become more comfortable and hopefully the audience does as well. But what you're describing sounds so beautiful. And I want that of just being like, all right, I can rest. You know, I did what I could. How many people Uh, are, or or how do you, how do you get them to that point? Knowing that we are so fearful of death. In like the process of the three months or in the middle of my in the coaching. Of, either one, either one, because I do want to talk about that as well. I think it's if you have three months and you're confronted with this fact that, or even six months, there's something seeping into us, right? It's like in our normal life, death never really happens. It's so far away. It's out there. It's like, you know, the old people or somebody, I you hear it, but it really doesn't. It's not in, you don't embody it. So I think if you receive this news, then it says you form a different relationship around it because it's it's like, whoa, what now? And, and there's a lot of reflection. It becomes a choice. If you have this guide, 
you can, you know, really make peace with all these parts of your life, which probably come up. Mm-hmm. You sort of, you know, memories come up, maybe, you know, let's, for lack of a better word, like it's burping up in a way, right? Suddenly, because <laughs> when we're in the middle of life, right, we forget so many things, which mm-hmm. is busy living. And let's say you would have, you would have this news received. And then suddenly, I think a lot of things just are steered steered up and it were like you know sort of and to make peace with that I think that's it's three months is a long time to really work through and through through the emotions you're right it mm-hmm. is especially when it I love the metaphor it burps up on you <laughs> <laughs> because you don't want it to but it's happening nonetheless Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's also why, I, again, it's why I wanted to bring these tools back to the, the middle of the life, because if we just can step away from this fear-based labeling of death, but honor what what it actually, what is it what is a death? We experience so many deaths throughout our lives, little ones every day. I mean, COVID. Oh my God, how many deaths have we experienced? The absence of going to a restaurant, the absence of hugging somebody. That we greet, we don't even know that there is a sort of a little form of death. Um, the end of a job, the end of a relationship, the end of a marriage, a friendship, you name it, right? You were moving. So many in the death of an animal. I mean. I mean, that's more obvious, but, you know, everyday life situations. And we don't even often know that we're in a state of grief. Mm. You know? and, but if we can like, really understand that also these deaths, which are the practice, like, they have our practice deaths. We get to practice deaths in that sense and honor it and see the value. It also shows us how important something was to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I feel like there's always this reframe, right? We can sit in this victim mode or in the sadness, or we can rise and be like, wow, I am so alive. I feel this pain. I feel the absence of this. I really miss this. So therefore I'm grieving it. And maybe I have to go through the motions. I'm angry and, you know, whatever all comes up, but it's still this like, wow, this had so much importance to me. Yeah. And that in itself is a very heartwarming emotion. Absolutely. Right, so it's this reframe of it shows us that we're capable and able, and that we are actually loving. Mm-hmm. I I went through something like that recently, where I I lived pretty much my whole life in in New York, and during the pandemic, my girlfriend Jamie and I, our dog Ollie and our turtle Franklin, uh, decided <laughs> to move down to Charleston, South Carolina, which is where I'm talking to you now. And there was a, a, a real heaviness to saying goodbye to New York, whether it be a year or, or 10 years, or I don't know when mm-hmm. I may live there again, if ever. And so right. there was a heaviness and a, a real sadness. And, and I felt guilt and, and regret about leaving that. But having some time, it was the right decision for us to move here you know, and, and I'm excited about my life going forward, but I needed to, to grieve that death. So I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And also by, by understanding this, you needed to let this New York part of you go. Suddenly you have this new space. It says there's an openness. So you can step into something completely new, which you did, and then you can receive it. And by honoring that grief you had and the sadness about New York, it's also so beautiful. You're like, wow, you know, I'm letting this go. This is such a big 
part of my life. It formed me. This is who I am right now. But now I'm stepping out, out and forward into this next phase of my life, into this new place where I choose to live, right? So again, it's so... Again, I, come back, I always come back to this reframe because there's always a choice we can make how we can approach a situation. And we can really, there's always this beauty in everything. How do you start a reframe like that? Maybe if you're not noticing that you're experiencing one of these smaller deaths in your life, how do you go about that? So let's say we stick with your New York sure. um, apps. You had to leave from New York and you said you felt regret there was sadness and grief, um, guilt. You even mm-hmm. said that, right? Yeah. So these are these are big emotions, right? So it was in your belly, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's the question. I feel like it's also about asking the right questions. So like, why am I feeling this? Mm. Where does this come from? What's the origin of this? And when we go and allow, maybe sit in silence, meditate, and we can go deeper and find out, I am actually grieving this because it had so much importance. I will miss this place. Why am I missing this place? Oh my God, so many memories are held there. And, uh, you know, but nobody's taking them away from you. You're like, oh, I'm going to take them with me. Then you can hold them in love and in warmth. But it's about, I think we don't ask enough questions, which is like, oh my God, I'm, I'm angry. I am frustrated. I am, I feel guilt. But I'm like, but what's the origin of it? Right. And taking the time and, to get the answer. Yeah. And often, again, we don't have the tools. It feels uncomfortable, like, you know, guilt, shame, a big uncomfortable emotions. We usually try to push down, push away. And then it becomes even bigger because we give them fuel, mm-hmm. right? So then it becomes even more. And then maybe it turns into an anxiety. And then the anxiety is usually very somatic, body-based. And then it just over takes us over. And then we're somehow lost. And then often then it's really hard to come back and breathe and ground and be like, okay, what is this all about? Right. It's almost like putting off dentist work, right? If you, if you just go, it may be a little scary, you know, the drill will come out and they'll fix it. But if you leave it, it'll, it'll get worse and worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes that courage. It takes courage to just get to know ourselves, the courage of knowing and the willingness to learn how we operate, who we are, why we feel certain emotions, what triggered about certain things. It's like, wow, I'm triggered. I feel, I feel whatever that person said, I, I get triggered. And then we think it's that person, but maybe it's something I'm have been carrying my whole life with me because mm. I had I an association. This is it triggered around in in deep inside me and it reminded my subconscious and unconscious to about when I was four or five years old. Maybe it just triggered my self-force. That I am not lovable, that I'm not enough, right? So it's all about the more we can have the courage and the bravery to get to know ourselves, the more we can feel live in 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 peace. And I think life becomes more beautiful. Of course, and a lot easier to to manage if you're not wrestling yeah. with your demons on a daily basis. You can smell the roses a little bit more. Yeah. Right, and you know also the the they will always be part of our our being right so we need to befriend them so instead of them running the show and taking over we be like oh i know you i know you come up in a situation like this because of this fear or this story 
and we can even name them. And then we can say, I see you. I know you're here. I acknowledge you. But please stay aside. Step over here. <laughs> please stay in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have some really, I have something important to to do here in this other room. Yeah, I mean, I'm using this metaphor, but it's really, it's sort of tangible. It makes it more tangible for us to, mm-hmm. to be with these parts we all have. Like we have so many different parts inside of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. I, you know, we've definitely been discussing your, your spiritual coach, but what does that look like? Who, who is, is there a typical person that comes to you and and what are they struggling with and and what can you help people with? Mm -hmm. So I work with women. I, when I started this, I wanted to work with women. I am a woman, so I can relate more to the mindset and the emotional makeup of a woman. And it's the midlife women who maybe have in their midlife you have maybe fulfilled a lot of purposes i mean it's not even women just but men also it's like we reach this plateau we have like successful career maybe the children are old enough we have identified through the job through the family the marriage and suddenly you fall into a like hole and they're like wait what now there's more to life often there's we call it midlife crisis i would call it transition because we're transitioning from one phase of life to another so again if i can help identify what these roadblocks are and if i can help find out what this next phase how it should look like who do you want to be in this next phase who do you need to be in this next phase how you know what's important to you so again it's a lot of question questions asked and through that, it will find, clarify out what it is and what we can work on. And then we can make a plan towards the future, maybe in five years, three years, one year, and without overwhelming, but slowly put these wheels in motion. That's great. That's super helpful. I love the idea of not only like, all right, let's pay tribute to where you were, but let's help you figure out where you want to go. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, this is also the thing we identify so much because, you know, there we are, we're on this, on this fast paced life, but we forget that we actually have the permission and the ability to become somebody completely different. It doesn't mean because I have this job, I have studied this once and it becomes my career that I have to be like this for the end of my life. Mm-hmm. Right. I could just like, maybe I'm burned out. Maybe I'm like, I'm fulfilled. I'm done with this. This doesn't give me anything anymore. There's no more fire. Maybe something else. And maybe something I always wanted to do, but it wasn't the right time. So now I could do that. I just need to give myself this permission. Permission to bloom. Permission to bloom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would imagine a lot of people come to you in that sense and may not have the answers. They may feel stuck. How do you how do you help them get unstuck and, and start to figure out what it is they do want or where they do want to be? By identifying the current situation. And usually uh, it's very tight and interwoven like a, a, a ball of wool and it's all messy. So by slowly like taking it apart and creating space between all the parts. And again, lots of questions asked, lots of journaling, meditation, and sort of thinking about what's important and finding these answers and also writing it out. And then over time, really, it becomes so clear what and where this person wants to go and needs to be. Oh, great. Well, that's great that even the most stuck person could probably become unstuck, which is the goal. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the, it's it's a choice. If we bring curiosity to our our life, our being, our inner inner selves, our soul, our wounded child, whatever, right? Our body, our body tells us so much about what's going on. So if we could just listen, really calm down and listen and understand why our body reacts a certain way, there, there's so many answers that are just provided. So I'm here to facilitate that space. That's great. You have such a easy breezy energy about you, considering you work with end of life and you study trauma, which we've yet to get to. Where does that come from? Where does where does this easiness come from? Is that have you always been that easygoing? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I I'm I, by default I'm very curious, mm-hmm. and I'm had always the sense of adventure and I love people. I find it fascinating to meet people and get to know them. And, you know, I'm, I'm still am an advertising photographer, right? This is uh, the other thing I have been doing and still am doing. And then I put myself on this new path, like five years ago with the end of life and spiritual life coaching and all that. Right. But I realized that as a photographer, I always have to make a connection with people, right? It's like this one fraction of a second because I'm here to take your picture. I want something from you. And so you have to trust me in order to open up. And I I, I say this in the most humble way. So I realized I have this gift and people just always think they come and tell me their stories and think that I don't, I don't judge. I don't want to judge. I just listen because we're all broken. We all have carry our own burden. So we're all in this together. And so, yeah. And just sometimes somebody is listened to a scene. Just if the, if the words can come out and I give you my full presence, that's so healing. So I don't know, I guess maybe it comes from that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for taking a shot at it. I know. Uh... Well, it seems like you have a very high level of emotional intelligence, which I think is such a, a, a great gift to have, uh, especially given Thank you. your career choice. But the more collective emotional intelligence we have, the better off we'll be as, as, as a society. Yeah, totally. I agree because everything is energy, right? So if if I I step out and I smile at somebody, that smile is just somebody, I know, at somebody and then the smile is picked up and it's just that energy, right? It travels forward. And maybe we don't know what it does, but it maybe saved that person's day mm-hmm. or it reframes again that person's day. But suddenly they're like, oh my God, somebody smiled at me. Or I say, oh my God, I, I, I love your shoes. Or it's the little things, right? But it's these things which make a big impact often. So um, I try to be really conscious how, uh, you know, what my energies I put outwards toward in the world. If you're listening to this podcast, one of the reasons may be because you're interested in having your death or a loved one's death be celebrated in, in a different way, to, to think outside the box a little bit. I, I personally really like the idea of that. And that's why I'm partnering with a company called Spirit Vessel who creates these guided personalized ceremonies for yourself or or a loved one. Well, just to give you a little bit of background, Spirit Vessel is a sister-owned company that is bringing sacred ceremonies around death back into the home in a beautiful and meaningful way. I love it. I love the idea of, of making it more personal. And I've experienced wakes and funerals that it felt so 
cold and and wish that I could inject a little bit more personality and and more storytelling to help the grieving process. Spirit Vessel has these handcrafted ceramic urns and personalized celebration of life ceremony packages that can be done in the comfort of your home or through webcasting services. Whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one, preparing for an imminent death, or taking steps to plan for your own death, Spirit Vessel provides resources to help you respond from your heart with creativity and courage. So basically you can design your own creative and and personalized intimate ceremony that represents the person who you're celebrating. And there's also tips to help people who are grieving going forward. So whether you're interested in the celebration of life ceremony packages, or you'd like to check out or order one of their handcrafted ceramic urns, which are so cool, by the way, check out Spirit Vessel. And if you do order anything, feel free to use the promo code DEATHSPACE for free shipping. If you're like me, it can be really hard to come up with the words to say in a card. I know, I always laugh too, because talk about 10 years of improv training down the drain. Not being able to come up with anything, but especially that's especially, but that's especially, but that's especially so. I don't know why I can say especially. There you go, perfect. I can say it <laughs> during times of grief or when someone loses someone. But thankfully, there's the card studio. There are no words to comfort in a time of deep loss, but you send a card because you care. Yeah, because as we've learned through this podcast, sending something, saying anything, is better than saying nothing. The Cardist Studio creates your message, writes it in your card, and mails it for you. See? They'll help you out. You have the intention, the Cardist has the words, bing, bang, boom. All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No anxiety, all care. For a message from your heart, but not your hands. Just sit back and enjoy your relationships. You know, you don't want to have that awkward feeling like, ah, was that too much? Did I say too much? Am I talking too much? As I'm literally talking too much? As opposed to figuratively talking too much, Pat. All right. <laughs> My inner voice is kind of mean to me. The Cardiststudio.com, thoughtful, just got easy. And better yet, you can use the promo code DEATHPOD, one word, for 10% off all orders. You ever lie in your resume? Huh? Look at me. Look at me when you're lying. No, you should never do that. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but it can be daunting to, to look at a, a job listing, see everything that you have, and... and things that you probably don't have, but we can fix that with My Software Tutor. My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. So I'm going to keep you on task. They've seen it. They've heard it. They've seen the resumes. They know the holes, but they're here to help. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly and supportive environment. It'd be funny if it really wasn't a supportive environment. When are you going to understand this? (laughs) Of course, that's not the case. That's just the anxiety or, or, or reliving fear dreams we had as children. These courses will increase your marketability. The job market couldn't be better right now. So it's a perfect time to invest in yourself and, and improve that resume. Whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. You can sign up for these classes at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. Would you look at that? All right. Enjoy that new job. You're also studying trauma. I mean, a shift from talking about positivity towards trauma, kind of a a tough segue, but 
you're studying this. So this is something new that I know nothing about. So I'll let yeah. you just take it away and, and you tell me what you're what you're yeah, saying. I think when when we first connected, that was at the beginning of the year or something, right? Yeah. It was quite long ago. And yeah, this was I think very I very new. Yeah, so I, I started in the beginning of the year, nine months basically in now, and it is with Dr. Gabor Mate. And I highly recommend, he just came out with a documentary and it's called The Wisdom of Drama. So this module or mortality I'm studying is called Compassionate Inquiry. And it is basically around our childhood upbringing, the traumatic experiences we have, and we don't know that we carry them. If, if it's okay, I'll give you a little explanation. Sure. Of course. Yeah. So basically, when we're small, there's three things, right? We 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 need it's love, food, and shelter. Our parents do their best job, whatever that means. Some better than others, some not, because they carry their own story. The f- family is dysfunctional. You name it, right? But we, as children or babies, we ha- don't have that cognitive understanding to say, "I need love." So. In order to get the love for us, these things are these three things are essential for us to survive. So we adapt. We do things, we form behaviors in order to get the love, to get the shelter, and to get the food. Mm-hmm. Then that when we're little, it's fine because that helps us to get all those things, but then we become adults and then they become the roadblocks. And then it shows up as maybe let's say codependent relationship, numbing, addiction anger, outbursts, you name it, avoidance, no boundaries, overcompensation of in order to, to feel accepted, workaholics, I mean, whatever. So, and these roadblocks, they become more and more and more often when we, or as we go through life and they, then there's a disconnect from our true self and we feel completely lost with this life. Yeah. Wow. That must be it must be so heavy. I mean, to, to focus on that too. So, but then the people who come to me and I've worked with often, it's not about what you, what happens on the outside, but what you make meaning on the inside is it could be something minor. Something happened when you were four years old, you don't have any memory of it. And it was minor, but the meaning you made on the inside, let's say that you're not good enough, you're not lovable. Mm-hmm. And so it changed something really big. So doing this work and helping people to go back to that very moment and the memory and having that aha moment through the body as an as a, as a embodied experience, that is like the biggest gift I have received so far. Oh, yeah, that sounds like it. So mm-hmm. even if they don't remember it, you can help them travel all the way back do you mind if we if you practiced a little i'm not asking you to fully treat me but just so i can understand (laughs) what that's like yeah so let's say we do a session and you would come you know let's say we we would ground we do a little meditation Mm -hmm. and you come with an intention to this session and you there's something which happened in your recent uh, history just maybe last week something which upset you okay and so maybe that's, is there something, for instance, you would like, let's say there's that something last week. Well, I, you know, as a person who I have two podcasts and a full-time job. And so at times I feel like I'm a workaholic and, and at times I question why I do that. Mm-hmm. So that's not just last week. That's just like an ongoing battle that I have in, in my head. Mm. So 
if you when you say that you feel what well, I'm reflecting back to you and you said that you feel like you're working too much there's an overcompensation regarding your work because you have two podcasts and you have full-time job and you question why is this that you're exhausting yourself like this is that fair to say? That is fair. Yeah. So when I say that, or even when you said that, is there something in the body, like there, could you identify where does that sit, this feeling of like overcompensation? It's like on my shoulders, mm. uh, like right here on the sides of my neck. So there's a weight, some yeah. sort of weight, is there? Wow. Okay. So weight if this weight on your shoulders would have a voice what would that say it's funny i'm judging myself but it all i heard was you can't <laughs> you that's, can't that's all that's what i heard in my head you can't wow you can't in what does that mean what does could you elaborate could you could you like maybe this whatever that voice was could that voice add something yeah i feel like it's funny. Wow. It's funny. It goes back to, to childhood being told at times that I wasn't smart enough or, or good enough to do this or that, not even stuff that pertain to now, but stuff that pertain to being a child, right? Like of maybe on like an athletic field or not being the smartest person in class or something like that. Wow. So, okay. That's powerful. So you, you have this feeling of overcompensation steers maybe from that you feel like you weren't good enough and you need to 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 work harder mm -hmm. in order to reach this so did this come from your parents did your parent would say something like this to you or what I think well there's three things that come to mind uh, I feel like teachers always express that to me being like mm. need to work a little bit harder peers making fun if I like got an answer wrong and I played hockey growing up and I remember a bunch of coaches would tell me that like your talent level isn't tremendous but your greatest asset is your ability to work hard in that I worked harder they would say than most people but I didn't have the like god-given ability right so if you could think back when is your first memory of something like this? If you sort of tap in, you close your eyes and you think back to your childhood, when was the first time you could, or I mean, whatever you remember, but when, yeah. there's you know, a, how old there's were you? There's a few, but like I could say four or five years old. Just, four or five? Uh, yeah. Wow. So what do you know exactly the, the situation can you recall it what happened i remember playing soccer maybe for the first time and tripping over the ball and kids laughing at me which is very funny but i think well there were, yeah there was shame yeah yeah for sure it was like i'm not good enough yeah so the, that, that again, and it's like what we said earlier, right? On the outside, it's a minor event. It's Extremely just the minor. ball against an yeah. extreme minor. But what the meaning you made on the inside of this changed you. There was so an true. inner voice, which was like, I, I am not good enough. I, you know, they make fun of me. I, I, 
I'm worthless. I, I have shame, right? All these things. And it's but not cognitively, but subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And then that's, and re- that's I guess it's... if you're expecting that too, I can see the enforcement le- reinforcement levels throughout the rest of my life because I feel like maybe I'm searching for that. Looking, right. You're expecting that almost. Yeah. And now it even sits visibly in your body mm-hmm. as this weight and it put, pushes you down and it's like, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Harder. And the weight of the working harder and harder is all related around here. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's amazing how quickly we just did that. But I mean, I, this is this is the tip of the iceberg. You know, we can go really deep into this. Right. But this is sort of how. I mean, I don't think we don't really have the time no. right now. But this is sort of how this process would work. So Thank again, you so I. Much. <laughs> yeah, I was so curious about how that happens. Thank you so much for even the tip of the iceberg. That's interesting yeah. to see how that takes place. And I mean, I'm gonna just say one more thing, like to, in relation to to you. Did you share this with anybody when you this were is the four or five? First years? time I've ever told anyone that. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for sharing this with yes. me here. And uh, that's powerful because as a four or five year old, you would think, wouldn't you want to tell this to your parents? Well, you don't want to be increasing the shame of 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 being laughed at, right? Like so this is exactly that, right? So you didn't feel safe with your parents to tell them. So you internalized it. And even so, it's something so minor. It was something so big. Mm-hmm. And the meaning you made of this is still the meaning you carry, this belief system. You know, it was to survive, but then it becomes deeper and deeper. And then it some, somehow it seems to become part of who we are, our identity. And so again, that we take the wool, the the ball of wool and make create a space and realize this is actually not who you are it's just a belief system Mm -hmm. and then if we work through it and more then you can allow yourself to let go of this belief system and you become free of this story that's incredible well that seems extremely worthwhile i can see why people would want to take a shot at it for sure. Yeah. And it's called compassionate inquiry. We're compassionately inquiring about you. And then, you know, there's no judgment, there's just holding and there's lots of questions. Right. And, and yeah. And this gets folded into your, your spiritual life coach. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great tool to have too. My goodness. I mean, if the goal, yeah. it seems like your whole career is just helping people feel comfortable so that they can number one enjoy life but number two not fear death yeah i it seems to be that way i don't know it's just so it's i i am i am at all often by myself because it's just i on this journey i'm on now mm-hmm. it's just yeah it's i guess i maybe found my calling yeah i mean that's <laughs> it's quite a calling it's extremely useful there's a lot of people that are broken, as you said, and, and could use a little compassion and a little help towards feeling more calm and, and less fearful. Yeah. And, and you know what you said earlier, you said it's it seems my lightness and this is such a heavy topic. But even just now, you know, I feel honored that you shared something which you have never shared with anybody. Mm-hmm. So this is so beautiful, right? So this gives me energy. I don't know. It's just it's so light. It's I, I think there's this beauty within this exchange. 
So then that sort of fills my lightness again. So it's not heavy in that sense. It's just, I'm, you know, you, whatever happens to you, like you, we get off this call and you're like, wow, this is fascinating. Or, you know, it starts this, it's this little seed, which was put inside of you, right? This, this maybe new consciousness around this memory. And wow, this is, it. that's it. That's so humbling and so beautiful. So like, wow. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way. I mean, this, this podcast is I'm asking people to share quite often. It's, it's the worst moment of their lives that people are, are, yeah. are telling me about. And, and I will borrow your exact phrase. It's, it's uh, humbling and, and I'm honored that people are okay with me or, or okay sharing that with me. I mean, it's just, who am I to be hearing these stories other than the fact that I, I try to hold space as best as I can and, and to make it as much of a comfortable experience because I, I, there's so much value in other people, right? People listening to this podcast, hearing these stories because it, it helps collectively helps us not feel alone. And so that sustains me through uh, what can be at times heavy podcast. Right. Yeah, no. Oh my God. So beautiful. But you create that space. You consciously created that space, right? For people to come and share and then the listeners, as the listeners, they're like, wow, we're not alone. So again, we're in this collective together. And then that takes away maybe some shame, some fear to speak out, knowing that we, we all carry similar burdens and bounds. And that in, it, that in itself is healing. Absolutely. All right. What would you want, or maybe you don't know, the end of your life? Do you have any thoughts about how you'd want it to go? Where you'd want to be? What do you want to hear? Um, yeah, no, I gave it some thought. <laughs> <laughs> and I I can say, I feel like if something happens to me tomorrow, I feel like I was blessed with a beautiful life so far. And I, I you know, I don't believe that it's over. It's just a transition from form to formless. And whatever, it's the mystery, right? I, we don't know what, what comes next, but I, I trust it. And how would I want to go with definitely with lightness, with celebration, with music and vibrance and my and some friends and, and just really, just really knowing that is such a short journey and just be grateful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Be grateful and, and try to, try to get these weights off of our shoulders so yeah. that we can really appreciate the short time that we do have. Yeah, totally. Well, is there anything you think I missed about end of life, uh, being an end of life doula, a spiritual coach, uh, the trauma that you're studying, any, anything that you think people should know? What people should maybe know or what my suggestion is to just wake up in gratitude don't forget to breathe sometimes three times breathing in and out slowly makes the difference of the world understanding there's a pause between reacting and responding Mm. and everything is energy yeah that pausing after before reacting will save a lot of jobs and marriages (laughs) if you just (laughs) take a second to breathe yes yeah (laughs) well that's all great Great advice. This conversation has been 
extremely delightful. Thank you for your time. And I hope we can connect again in the future and, and maybe because I feel like there's a lot more we can talk about. Yeah, it's we definitely just, you know, scratched the, the iceberg of this topic. Of so, course. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it was definitely also my delight. <laughs> oh, great. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, yeah. All right. I know I took a, a break for Thanksgiving and a break for Christmas, but no more breaks through the end of this season. Full steam ahead. Here we go. Got a bunch of great episodes before making my way to season three of That Gives Me Anxiety, my other podcast, which I'm, I'm still working on. If you haven't checked that out, please do. I think it's a lot of fun. I'm also biased. <laughs> but yeah, hope, uh, hope you had a great holiday, whatever you celebrate in... I hope your New Year's is fantastic. I couldn't imagine being the type of person that like goes big on that anymore. I mean, other than like going to a party, I'd you know, I'd, I'd go to a friend's house or something like that. I mean, I like people, like people a whole bunch, but I don't know. I used to go to these like huge bar events, and that just sounds just exhausting. But hey, if uh, if that's your thing, all the power to you. Have a great time. Be safe. And once again, I'd like to mention and thank the sponsors, Spirit Vessel. Use the promo code DEATHSPACE, one word, for free shipping on personalized urns and the celebration of life ceremony packages. The Cardist Studio. You can use the promo code DEATHPOD, one word, for 10% off all orders. And my software tutor, you can use the promo code POD20 for 20% off all orders. And thanks again to all those companies, and I'll talk to you next Thursday. Bye.